Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome to Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. We have a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk to Rashad Penny. John Clayton's going to join the show. We'll talk that talk where me and Paul kind of square up on some issues. We'll break down film in the film room, and then we'll go around the NFL. That's the show in a nutshell. Not in that order, but we're going to get to all those points. Moyer, how you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it was, uh, was it Monday? God, we played Monday. <laughs> Man, it's just, quick turnaround. Yeah, it's, it's quick. Uh, you know, that was a tough one. You know, the it, you know, it's fans or whatever, emotionally, and you know, obviously for, I think, Pete and the players and everything. It, when, when you're struggling football team, you know, it, it, struggling to win games yeah. is, is more than anything. Um, you know, you start looking for every reason and answers. And to me, it wasn't that difficult. When I went back and looked at the game again, uh, you know, you got your backup quarterback. You got to play games a certain way to give yourself a chance to win because that's the goal. It's not statistics. It's can we find a way to win? And it could be running it, throwing it, could be blitzing it, play soft defense, doesn't matter. And and we had a chance. Probably should have won the game. But it really came down to me, came down to special teams. And that their, their rookie kicker out kicked our veteran kicker. I, I thought, you know, that we missed two field goals. He didn't miss one. I would have liked to have had him try to kick a 42-yarder uh, on the one that we jumped off sides on instead. And uh, field position. I mean, we just couldn't turn the switch on field position. There was one time we kicked the ball into the end zone. And, you know, our punter's awesome. You know, he's he's one of the very best at kicking the ball inside the 20. But in this particular case, Michael didn't kick it uh, the way he normally does it. It bounced into the end zone. And I want to say the same drive, uh, the very next drive, they punted one down to our one-yard line. And, man, we just could not win that field position battle. And when you got a quarterback that's – Backup that you know may not push the ball down the field and the offense not clicking the way they need to, man. Those those are the little things, and it's just the little things. That's the the frustrating part right now. Is we're two and five, and that's the reality. The Hawks are in a, a weird place right now. They lose three games in a row for the first time. Three home games in a row for the first time since 1992. Three home games in general since, since 1992. Ni- three home games in a row. Nice 1992. Yeah, so you remember yeah, those we days? Lost a lot. We guys like two and fourteen. I we think were that two and fourteen. Yeah. Not like we were <laughs> two and fourteen. The most. It was the most inept hot offense in the history of the NFL. Still is to today. Last three games, they lost by a combined 15 points. 15 points. So these guys are in these games. Uh, you mentioned. Special teams playing a huge role in this. When you're playing with your backup quarterback, when you have questions on offense and on defense, if you hold a team with 13 points, you should probably be able to bank on your kicker, who was an all-pro at one point, pro bowler, making at least two out of three. He went one for three. Jason Myers went one for three. That bit him in the butt right there. And then just the timely penalties, right? The roughing the passer on Marquise Blair. All this happened on one drive. It was Marquise Blair roughing the passer. It was Al Woods. Jumping, uh, getting an off, uh, false star offside, excuse me, on a field goal. And there was one more. Was there one more uh, play in that? We were just talking well, about Well, not in that. There's one where uh, uh, DJ Reed had a pass interference, but that was earlier on a third and eight. And again, I, I thought that was a bad call. That, that, they, that one, though, they ended up continuing the drive. They came up three yards short on the throw. He caught the ball, and they still call pass interference. Yeah. They end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. 
every one of their points came from either a blown ref move or us in a penalty. I mean, we we could have shut them out. If you know, that's playing pretty perfect at that point. Bump, you're thinking of the uh, third and ten run by Kamara. There we go on that same drive. Yep, three big plays on that drive. And now, before the game, we talked about the Hawks. They got to establish the run. They got to run the football. You know what they did? Run the football 28 times, but only for 90 yards. Alice Collins had 16 carries for 35 yards, and we talked to Turbo in post game, and he brought up a good point. He goes, "Look, yeah, he got 16 carries, but it was like four, and then he sits for a while, then two, then he sits for a while." I think with Rashad Penny getting healthy, they were trying to find out, like, okay, what can we get out of out of Rashad at this point? We know we what we can get out of Alex Collins. Let's try to combine these forces and make something happen. When in hindsight, they probably are looking at him and be like, look, we should have stuck with one guy and just let him go, whether it be Rashad or Alex Collins. Give them, what, eight to ten maybe consecutive carries? Well, we got uh, Penny on later. We can ask him, you know, how does he feel about yeah. that? Would you guys rather get the ball eight times in a row? And I know some guys it's it's about volume and they get better with, with carries. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe Carson has always been that way. You know, he gets stronger as the game goes. I think Collins is probably that way also that he needs a, a bit of a rhythm on there. But, I, you know, at the same time, you're you're calling different plays. You're trying to keep backs fresh. You know, you want to you want to get Penny out in the open space with his speed and explosiveness. I mean, remember, there's a guy who senior year returned seven touchdowns yeah. on kickoff returns. Um, he was a guy that, you know, caught, you know, a bunch of pass. He had 600 yards, I want to say, a senior year uh, at San Diego State receiving. Um, you know, another five or six touchdowns on that on top of it. So he's dangerous. So you want to give him that opportunity for the big plays. At the same time, you're trying to get these guys in, in a rhythm. I just think it's tough. You know, anytime you lose, you start nitpicking on everything. Let's look at New Orleans. New Orleans ran the ball 31 times for 94 yards. Yeah. Three point uh, three yards per carry. We ran the ball, as you mentioned, 28 times for 90 yards, 3.2 yards per carry. No one's complaining about New Orleans trying to force the run or they got you know, the W. It, you know, I mean, Kamara had twenty carries for fifty-one yards, two point six yards per carry. They got the W as, as you meant that they didn't play well. We should have beat them. We didn't. We got to play perfect right now, and you know we're going to play Jacksonville. It's not going to be an easy game. You know, they got one win, but it's not going to be an easy game. They no. got talent out there. Yeah. I'm what's concerning for me going into this game is the confidence of winning. We've always been so good at keeping it to the fourth quarter and having a chance to win. And as you mentioned, the last three games with Russell basically being out two and a half of those, we've had the ball in our hand on the final drive to win the game Mm. and to be good to great. You've got to win in the final two minutes of the first half, half and the second half. I think Gino's been fine in between those two minutes, but to sh- you got to shine in that moment. Yeah, and uh, I think he's capable. I think it's a confidence thing. It's taking shots downfield. I would say not not to be reckless with the ball, but to take shots downfield when there's an opportunity. Take shots downfield and make the plays. We saw an 84 yard touchdown from DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Lattimore was on him. Stiff arms him. Gets him to the ground. There's a play on the sideline where Lockett could have made a play, I feel like, but he doesn't make that play. Went right through his arms. Right through his arms. And you talk about late in the game, you have to perform. We've seen Geno throw an interception. We've seen him fumble the rock. And now we've seen him uh, take take a couple of sacks. So it's it's about those pressure situations. And he's a backup. He hasn't been in those situations in a while. Now, Russell Wilson will get in those situations, and we expect him to to come out and be the hero. Sometimes he doesn't. 
but he has so many other instances where he does. It's like we kind of overlook that. You know, Gino's been sitting around for a while, so it's tough for him to expect him to win those ball games in those situations. But man, you have no choice but to think, man, if number three was in there. This team might be looking a bit better going into the bye week after this game. Yeah, and I always say those aren't excuses. Those are just the reasons. I mean, look, we did, we don't have Russ Wilson. You don't have Chris Carson. I thought defensively we did play better. Um, you know, some people want us to play perfect in that situation. We could have shut them out if the refs hadn't. Again, to me, it's the jumping out fourth down and one. It is two, three guys. They're a whole right side moves. Yeah. How, how do you miss that? And again, not an excuse. You're going to get a fine. Giving you a reason why they got the first down. Um, (laughs) They should have came up fourth and six. Maybe they go for it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they still get it. But the third and eight pass interference, that was brutal. We've got a sack with five minutes left in the game. We're going to get the ball back probably around the 20-yard line, I'm guessing, with five minutes left. Now, whether we can score, I don't know. But we get off the field on a sack, and you know, Marquise Blair, unfortunately, is called for I don't know, hitting somebody too hard or hitting a quarterback. You know how I feel about that. It sounds like this football team is not good enough to overcome some of these little mistakes, especially late in the game. There's talent on this team, but you're missing some guys. You're young in some other areas. So to set yourself up, when you say perfect football, you're we've never seen a perfect game, right? But you're talking about, look, you just can't have these little mistakes that kind of deter a drive or stop a drive or kill momentum you got to be fundamentally sound in these moments. We're not good enough. You know, we're not good enough to overcome those things. Everybody said the margin for error is really thin for the Seahawks. Until you get Russell back and everybody feels confident you're hitting on all cylinders, you're finding ways to win the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. We're getting there. And that's why the, the heat and the Twitter stuff going on right now is just obscene or crazy to me right now. All we've ever done is one. And this year, without our starting quarterback, we haven't closed the deal. And we're 2-5. and five. All right, well, let's hope they can close the deal this week against the 1-5 and five Jaguars. We will preview those guys next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Pumpus with Paul Moyers. Time to preview the Jacksonville Jaguars who are get, coming off their first win of the season. They are now 1-5. and five. They beat the Miami Dolphins. But before that, they lost four straight. Now, before that win, Moyer, this football club lost 20 games in a row. They went 399 days without a win. They get one against the Miami Dolphins. But week one, they lose to the Texans. Week two, the Broncos. Week three, the Cardinals. Week four, the Bengals. Week five, the Tennessee Titans. Not a bad schedule. I mean, the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Titans are pretty good football teams. Denver, early in the season, looked like they were going to be a good football team. But uh, they just did something that the team last year couldn't do. The team last year, they won week one, and then they lost 15 games in a row. Yeah, roll that over like rollover minutes back in the day when you had to pay for your minutes on cell phones. You roll that <laughs> oh, over to, I remember to 2020. Those remember those days, right? I remember getting a $1,200 bill once <laughs> on a, having a car phone back when they first came out uh-huh. in the 80s. Ooh, man, you got crushed back in the hey, day. But you look you look cool talking on the phone, driving oh, your car, though. If you only knew. <laughs> it was good. So now these, these Jacksonville Jaguars, man, they're not a bad football team, especially on offense. On offense, they're the 15th-ranked team overall, averaging 356 yards a game. Rush offense, they're 10. Pass offense, they're 19. Points per game is kind of where they fall a little bit. 
They are 27th. So you can't just look at this logo and say, oh, yeah, I remember these guys. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? These are guys who don't win any ball games. Yes, they don't win any ball games, but they got some weapons on offense. You got Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson. You got LaVisca Chenault. You have Marvin Jones. They have guys who can get it done, and this is the NFL, Moore. You can't sleep on nobody. Well, not the way we're playing. Again, normally this is a no-brainer. We're at home. You know, we beat bad teams. I mean, that's something we've always done. Um, but they're playing better. I mean, they, they should, probably should have beat Cincinnati, who's – you know, now five and two, I believe, and looking pretty good. Um, you know, Tennessee, they got they got beat up by, you know, a lot of teams by Arizona and Tennessee. Tennessee's obviously turned out to be pretty good, um, but they are playing better. I mean, they won their last game against Miami. Um, that was we got another team coming off a of bye week. I think New Orleans did the same. Yep. So they're going to be fresh and healthy. We're not completely. No, there's no gimmies for the Seahawks right now. We need to find a way to win a game though, and. It, Things will turn. I mean, I've, I've told the story before. In 1986, we had lost four games in a row. We all of a sudden we are five and six, and we it was a black cloud around the, the facility because we were a Super Bowl contending team. We started off five and two. Now we lost four in a row. Now it's we're five and six. And I remember Philadelphia came in, and they weren't very good. We beat them ugly. We had a ton of injuries. I mean, all of a sudden we put. Kenny Easley on injury reserve, getting Jeff Bryant, you know, a couple of our big defensive guys. But we won it ugly, and then we played the next week on a short week against the Cowboys, Thanksgiving Day. And I remember uh, Chuck Knox just said, you know, we're going to simplify this. Guys, we're just going to go out and play football. Mm -hmm. Man, that's all we're doing. We've got the players here. We're just going to go play football. And the rest is history in that we won five games in a row. We were unstoppable at the end. Our offense scored on almost every possession the last three or four games of the year. Our defense started making plays like crazy, and we finished 10-6. and six. But it started with an ugly win, and that's what we need in this one. I don't care how, <laughs> how it looks. We just need an ugly win or a win, go into the bye week, get healthy. We'll see what happens with Russ. Uh, and, again, a lot of things change once you get a victory. Well, and Paul Hollenbump, to your point, so they're playing good football, right? You talk about needing an ugly win. So the last three weeks, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they obviously won their last game. But Arizona, they lost 31-19, to but they were up 19-17 to with 121 in the third quarter. Trevor Lawrence was a bad ball, pick six. The game turns there. They were playing good in that football game. They play Cincinnati, who's 5-2, and two, leading the AFC North. They were up twenty four, or excuse me, twenty one to fourteen with fourteen twenty seven in the fourth quarter. Blew a lead in that game. Then they go to Tennessee. They end up losing thirty seven to nineteen, but they were up fourteen thirteen in the second quarter. A couple big plays. They got scored out in the second half. Then they go ahead and beat Miami. So for the last four weeks, for the last month, they've been playing okay football. So again, do it by any means necessary. You need to find a way to win ugly because this team is confident. They're coming off a bye, so I mean they're playing good football right now. What he just said was Pete Carroll's motto is going to work. You can win the game in the fourth quarter against these guys. <laughs> All right, you can be down first, second, third quarter, that fourth quarter. You can get it done. And that's the quarter that's been kind of hurting these guys, right? You have opportunities to win the ball game, and they're just not able to do it. Now, I look at this offense, and I see James Robinson. This dude can run the rock. I mean, he's slippery. He has good feet. I look at the offensive line play. I broke down a couple plays on film session. I mean, these guys, they're running their counters beautifully. Everyone's getting to the right spot. So I can see, to NASA's point, that um, at times they're playing really good football. 
They're they're a team, uh, and I'll call them uh, Seattle Seahawks too, because they have so many former Seahawks. Yes, coaches, players. We'll go through some of them. It's probably close to a dozen. Uh, when you pull all the coaches in there and, and personnel, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty remarkable. But this is a team, if we're going to play a team right now, you want to play a team that's not very good on defense but a little bit better on offense. Mm-hmm. Because I, without Russell, our, our offense is struggling. I mean, it's it, it, it's you want to have a team. They only have eight sacks. They have two interceptions. They're 30th in the league defensively. We're, we're no longer 32nd. We're 31st, and we are playing better. Um, I think we'll be fine, you know, have, not having them score a lot of points on us. There's going to be some opportunities for us to score in this game. There are going to be some opportunities. We've got to make them. We've got we to make every catch. You mentioned earlier, you know, Tyler Lockett on that one went right through his arms. It was a really good throw by Gino, and it was, I believe that was in the first half uh, or first quarter, I think. And I remember missing a field goal, I think, on that drive, though. And I was thinking, wow, if we caught that ball, we'd probably – kick the field goal, make it, or, or score a touchdown. There's so many of those plays going on. So I just think, look, if we're going to play a team, this is the one, a team that's struggling defensively, doing okay between the 20s. Uh, offensively, you've got a quarterback who's thrown eight interceptions. You know, he's a rookie. Uh, he's had seven touchdowns, so you probably can bait him into some throws. He's a talented guy, though. He's ran the ball for, what, 160-some yards uh, year-to-date, I think, or make it 121, so he's going to run. He's averaging over four yards per carry, so he's mobile. You know, we're gonna have to play well to beat. We're gonna have to play well to beat anybody. Anybody, right yeah. Does this mean anything to you, Bevel? We all know Bevel. On mm. uh, the uh, Wyman and Bob show earlier, they crowned him the best offensive coordinator during Pete Carroll's tenure here. Numbers don't lie. You got him as an OC. You got Shoddy as a QB and pass game coordinator. You have Nick Sorensen, who's a special team guy. He was here as well. Sanjay Law, who helped our receivers. He's over there now. Player-wise, you got Shaq Griffin, you got Carlos Hyde, you have Jacob Hollister. All right, that's, uh, I don't know, whatever. And I think you had Schneider at one point over there, too, the special team coach, uh, Brian. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's still, I don't know what there, but he was over there also. So it is amazing how many uh, former Seahawks that they, they've, they've grabbed. I don't know if that means a whole lot to us. I think that certainly Bevel and Shoddy are going to be hyper-focused on this. Yeah. They, want, they want to have a great game. Uh, I think once the game starts, it doesn't matter. They're not going to know a bunch about us statistically defensively. That's not going to help. Actually, I think it'll help us, Pete, knowing Shoddy and Bevels, to, you know, what they yeah. like to do. Yeah. I think it's actually an advantage for the Seahawks going into this game. Hey, whatever advantage we can get, I will take it. Okay, when we return, we're going to talk to running back Rashad Penny. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. right here. You'll hear me and my guy, Paul Moyer. And now we get to speak to running back Rashad Penny. Rashad, what's good, man? Hey, how you doing? Hey, we good, man. First, I want to show you some Cali love. You're from Norwalk. I'm from Culver City, just West of you, Paul Moyer is from the OC, so it's a Cali connection here, man. It's all love. Oh yeah, most definitely. Hey man, so you've battled some injuries since you've been in the league, you know. And at San Diego State, I don't think you had an injury, but you fought back to get back on the field, man. How good was it to be out there with your boys last week? Um, you know, definitely, a, you know, a blessing. I mean, 
you know, go out there and take the field with, you know, guys you've been around for so long and, you know, also meeting new guys. I mean, but, you know, it was just, it was just fun. It was a blessing. I mean, and, you know, I just wanted to stay that way. I feel you, man. I, you know, I had a couple injuries in my day and when I got on the football field, it was kind of hard to trust my body. You know, I had a, a fifth mm-hmm. metatorsal break in my foot, so I couldn't put my left foot in the ground the way that I wanted to. Have you experienced any of that? Mm-hmm. And if so, where do you go mentally to kind of overcome that? Well, you know, I, you know, every, I think every session, you know, that I had, you know, as far as rehab, I had guys tell me, you know, you know, you find, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, your leg is uh, stronger than it's ever been. So, I mean, I really never had a problem mentally as far as, like, you know, um, the whole aspect of putting my foot in the ground. Like, you know, I think Dr. Elitros and, you know, the guys in L.A. done an amazing job just to, you know, to repair my knee and, you know, make sure that I can come back and play football at a high level. And then, you know, coming out here to Seattle to work with, you know, the training staff, it made things even much better. So, you know, I... Uh, you know, you just got to be grateful and thankful for the people that, you know, put in so much time to work with you. So, and that's what I am. You know, Rashad, when you <clears throat> maybe compare your senior year, just physically where you were speed-wise, side-wise, mm-hmm. and then where you are now. Because one thing that's interesting, when you, you I look at your statistics in the NFL. I mean, you're averaging 5.1 yards per carry through your career. I mean, it's really just about being on the field for you. But just now take us through the injuries. Compare 17 when you were coming out of uh, college to where you are today physically. Well, the crazy thing is, personally, I think I'm, I'm, I'm way more developed back than what I have been, you know, in the past. I think I'm, um, I think I just, I just think knowing ball now, I mean, you know, San Diego State, you know, I had a great run there, but I mean, now I just think I'm a natural running back and I know the game now, but you know, the injuries, played a big role and it's crazy to me because you know I say injuries and I only really had one major one you know and you know of course I missed time with strains but um you know that knee surgery really set me back as far as you know just my whole body so I had to refocus this off season and you know just know my body again I think I'm in the best shape that I've ever been in you know um definitely a little rusty as far as you know um you know, making cuts, but, you know, that's no excuse because, I mean, I feel great. You know, I've just got to get back to the game flow. And once I get back to that, I think I can get back to the form I was before I got hurt. So talk about that. The one thing that we've noticed is sometimes, you know, Alex is out there, you're out there for a couple of snaps. What do you prefer? Are you a guy that needs 20 carries? Do you need it, you know, eight, ten snaps in a row, or are you okay alternating? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that's what the point I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with whatever. I'm just trying to help, you know, uh, win games right now and, you know, just keep doing the right thing and progressing every week. You know, um, being patient, that's one thing that I've done, you know, at San Diego State for three years. I was very patient. I mean, I had the all-time leader rusher in front of me. So, you know, uh, it was fine with me until I get a real, um, the real opportunity. And, you know, I'm just, just playing a role and, you know, just waiting. But I think the whole thing is just winning ball games right now. I feel that. All about the W now. Tell me about this running back room, man. It's been a fierce competition. I feel like the media, I guess I'm part of the media, but I, I don't try to pin you guys against each other. But, you know, there's a lot of competition. you got Chris Carson, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Alex Collins. What's it like in that running back room, and are you guys a close group? 
I think, yeah, I think we're definitely the closest, closest group on the team. You know, Chris is obviously like the big brother, you know, he's older. And, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he he's, he's the guy. And, um, you know, it's just the rest of us. So, I mean, I think we're the closest group on the team as far as, like, really knowing each other and, you know, just always having conversations. I think, uh, I think we really have a special group. We got a lot of guys that can do a lot of certain things, you know, and uh, we all got different run styles. So I think that's the cool thing. So, like, when we watching each other, we always be like, man, that's cool. Like, like AC, dang, that's a good move. Our tribe is like, dang, you got fast right here. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's cool. And then adding Josh in there, you know, Josh is, you know, a key role too, you know, even though, you know, he, he probably don't get as much credit. But Josh is a really great running back. And, you know, I can't wait to see him run one day. So, you know, we all got different elements to our game. And, you know, we pretty it's pretty cool when we all get together. And, you know, we, we talk, you know, outside of ball as well. So, I mean, you know, it's a really good connected group. You got a, an older brother playing football also, Elijah, with the Giants. Uh, t- talk about that relationship. I mean, two two running backs in the same family in the NFL, that's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Elijah, man, you know, my brother, he's always been a hard worker. You know, he, he always worked harder than the next man. And, you know, he's been doing that since we've been kids. You know, and growing up not playing football and playing like 10 years of baseball, you know, it's kind of crazy for us. So, you know, when he started, my oldest brother, Robert, which he started playing football first, and then Elijah followed, and then after that I followed them. So, I mean, we all started playing ball in high school. So, ever since in high school, I watched Elijah play, and, you know, it's always just been like a chip on his shoulder and, you know, him going to, you know, uh, Fresno and then going back to um, Idaho, I mean, Cerritos and then to Idaho. You know, I watched him his whole life, and, you know, it's just always, I've always appreciated him. And, you know, I always looked up to him as, you know, the guy he is today. So, you know, I think he's doing amazing in New York. And I'm actually really excited, like, literally watching every chance I get, you know, to see what he's doing. And, you know, it's always a family competition when you got four boys, you know. So I think it's pretty cool. You mentioned having a chip on your shoulder. I feel like that's the mindset of this football team right now. You guys are 2-5, and five, lost three games for the first time since 2011. What's the mindset? What's your approach to this week? How do you guys get right in? and uh, get back to your winning ways against the Jacks? Um, this is one week at a time, you know, really no panic. You know, I think it's just, you know, just one of them, just one of them times right now, but there's really no panic. I mean, just one game at a time and just, you know, just go out there and compete, just, just stack wins on wins. And, um, you know, I think, I think uh, we're definitely confident in what we can do, you know. You know, it's a long season. Still got 10 games left. You know, you, I, I know – People have seen it before as far as teams going on a 10-game winning streak, you know, or anything. But we just take it one week at a time, and, you know, the outcome will, the outcome will show. Let's, uh, let's switch a little bit from football. When you're uh, not playing football or at the facility, what do you uh, like to do to keep you busy away from football? <laughs> I don't think there's a lot to do. Oh, like as far as being away, like all day? Yeah, just – yeah, just any time you're away from the the VMAC and just your 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 free time. What do you um, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, I mean, I'm a gamer, so I play a lot of video games. You know, I usually occupy myself with that, or you know, or either watching basketball. Always just keeping myself involved in you know uh, sports. You know, a big movie person. So yeah. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna one more on top of that. What's the one thing nobody knows? About Rashad Penny. 
Yeah, one thing nobody knows. That's a hard question. I feel like every, everybody knows everything about me. <laughs> you know? With social media nowadays, everybody probably does. But Man, for real. I mean, but, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know, but I definitely like to read. I read a lot of books. I don't think a lot of people know that about me. But, yeah, I usually start, I started reading a lot of books um, like a few years ago when I tore my ACL, so. I've been doing a lot of uh, um, reading, and I'm reading a book actually called Master Your Mindset by uh, by Colin Henderson. So, I mean, that's one thing I'm doing, you know, just just always trying to stay motivated, you know, for myself. So, Colin Colin Love Henderson, it. we actually went to Wazoo. Colin Henderson, he's a cool, he's a good Look dude. Look at you, yeah. Hey, hey, last one, Rashad, before we uh, get you out of here. I assume you're a Laker fan, right? Yeah, most definitely. All right, man. What do you think about the thirty-five and up club we got for the Lakers? Are we we gonna figure this thing out or what? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's early. You know, just like <laughs> it's early right now. It's early right now. You can't can't judge. You can't judge a team. You know, five games in. You know, they show they show, they show what they can do, and then you know they have the ups and downs. Last night I was really upset, you know, with the outcome, but it's early, so I'm not really worried about it. All right, you heard it from Penny. It's early, man. Hey, you have a good week. You guys go get it done this weekend. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good night. That was nice. All right, that was Rashad Penny. Man, you know what? I'm going to go out and say he's going to have two big runs this weekend. Two big runs. One of 10 plus, one of 15 plus. Is it because he was on our show or because of how he showed his confidence on the show? Both. Yeah, I was I was impressive. I, I just I really liked listening to him. And, you know, look, he's taken some – some adversity and, and, you know, social media nowadays. Yep. But I, I need everybody to re- remember this. There's a reason why we draft him when we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the man was unbelievable in college. He can run. He's averaging 5.1 yards per carry in his NFL career. We just got to keep him on the field. Yep. And, I mean, that's, that's the big one because the, the talent is there. Yep, it is there. Okay, you know who's going to be here when we return? John Clayton, the professor, joins us next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks live at 745. You know what we got to do. We got to highlight JC, John Clayton, the professor. John, what up? What's going on? You know, we're sitting here enjoying some Thursday night football, man. The Green Bay Packers up 17 to 14. I did not expect that. I thought the Cardinals would kind of run away with this, but uh, I guess you can't. Can't doubt Aaron Rodgers, huh? No, I, you can't. Well, it's not a matter of just Aaron Rodgers. It's a matter that the Packers are playing up to a higher level. The defense has done an amazing job of trying to contain Kyler Murray. Sure, they gave up the uh, long pass to uh, Hopkins, but uh, then Hopkins ends up getting his hamstring re-injured, and he misses a good portion pretty much all the way to the third quarter to come back. And so he hasn't been the same. Kyler Murray hasn't been as consistent getting the ball. And uh, then you you look overall and you see the Packers are running the ball well. The fact that their defense is putting pressure on Kyler Murray. I mean, they've done an amazing job. And if they can pull this one off, that's a great win. As many players as they're down. I mean, they're down their top three wide receivers. I mean, they're down two starters on the offensive line. And nevertheless, they're out there battling and have the lead. Yeah, John, I, going into this game, I was thinking, okay, if the Cardinals can pull this one off, then I've already believed in their talent, but they would be solidified. You beat Aaron Rodgers on prime. Is this is Thursday considered primetime football? Yeah, it's oh, primetime yeah, it football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you beat them on primetime, you're good to go. But let's shift over to the Seattle Seahawks. 
Um, do you think Ethan Posick will replace Kyle Fuller at center this week? Kyle is this struggling. Week, no, they're, they're, they'll alternate, but I think what will end up happening is that uh, whether it's going to be a game or the Green Bay game, it's going to be best man wins. And it's kind of like the Trey Brown situation with Sidney Jones and all that. It's like, okay, let's alternate them until we figure out who is the better player. And then once we figure out who the better player is at that time of the season, then that guy will start. So Ethan has missed, missed so much time that I think you just can't just automatically give him the job. That's why he's going to rotate in there. But if his rotation is going to be better than Kyle Fuller, and you think there's a chance there might be, then by Green Bay, he could get the start. You know, one uh, player that's it's a bit of a concern, particularly when we start dealing with concussions, that's Dwayne Eskridge. What, what's the latest? What's going on there? I know he's gone to mm-hmm. a couple of places uh, for some specialists. Yeah, he went down to Florida, and he went to a specialist, you know, both to see uh, his concussions and also his eyes, because apparently his eyes were giving him problems. And, of course, I guess that uh, things kind of cleared up with his eyes and the concussions, you know, the other day. So he flew back on Wednesday, and so he's back here in town. And so, uh, you know, he's going to practice, I think, a little bit, but I doubt very much that he's going to be able to play this week. But I think what you're looking at, and they seem to be encouraged from what they see, he may be available for the Green Bay game. John, there's a lot of familiarity between these two teams. You got Bevel as the OC. You have Shadi as the, the passing game coordinator. You got Griffin. You got Hollister. You got Carlos Hyde. Who has the advantage or disadvantage in this situation? Well, I mean, Seattle, because they're a better team. I mean, Jacksonville is one of the worst teams in football. I know Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network you know, came out and said he thinks with Russell Wilson down that the uh, Jaguars have better talent. And they say, poo-poo on that thought. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, because I, I was just looking at it. And, uh, like, for example, here's a Jaguars team that has nothing other than you know, Shaquille Griffin on defense. That's all they really have, okay? And so it's like uh, nothing on defense. And so say what you want about Seattle. I know the defense has been off and on and sometimes terrible this year, but at least they have some talent. The uh, Jaguars don't have any talent on defense. And so, you know, you take that into account, and that should be at least better for Geno Smith, better for the running game, better for the offensive line. And, uh, you know, and certainly, I mean, there's a familiarity, but again, you know, Carlos Hyde's a backup. I mean, you know, Bevel and uh, Brian Schottenheimer, they're working with some pretty good, couple good players because Trevor Lawrence is really talented. But you look at their receiving core, there's not a lot left there because, you know, DJ Chalk has been, uh, you know, knocked off for the season. And, uh, you know, they have, you know, uh, only one really good wide receiver and they're shaky at the tight end position. So in the end, I mean, there's a big advantage for Seattle that they should be able to win reasonably easy. But then like anything else, as we're seeing, nothing is reasonably easy in the National Football League. John, Nathan, I mean, Marquise Blair's he's out. I mean, it's, it's just, again, crushing, yeah. uh, weird injury. Any roster moves uh, for the Seahawks on that one? Hmm, they might because, again, Tuesday's a trade deadline. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, maybe they find a way to get another safety or two but or another slot cornerback or whatever. Uh, I think they're happy with Ugo Amadi. You know, that seems to be encouraging. Certainly Ryan Neal. I think, you know, what it comes down to, I think Ryan Neal, you know, presents anything big from happening because, you know, he's only been out there, you know, when he goes seven defensive backs, and that's only like, you know, maybe 14, 15 plays a game. And so, you know, the times that he's out there, he plays really well. So I think that, uh, you know, he needs more playing time too. So I don't think there's any big moves coming up at the safety position. 
Speaking of a trade deadline, again, this is another weird one to me. Is there any chance Deshaun Watson gets traded before the trade deadline? I doubt it. I mean, it can happen. It sounds like Houston and Miami have reached somewhat of a draft choice settlement. But if Miami holds to what they want for uh, Deshaun Watson to settle his 22 lawsuits uh, between now and Tuesday, there's no way that's going to happen. I mean, it's like it's 22 lawsuits. I mean, even... Let's put it this way. Let's let's say that he puts a uh, a solid offer of big money to all 22. There's not even enough time to sign the paperwork. Hey, John, Mike Tomlin said, you know what? Don't ask me any more questions about the USC job. Made it clear. Do you think schools like USC and LSU will be able to lure a NFL coach to the college ranks, or do you think that they need to just – develop a guy within or promote a guy who's already in well, the they college can, level? Well, they can develop a guy, but the problem is it's not going to be one of the good guys in the league. You know, it's going to be somebody that's on the verge of getting fired or somebody who gets fired more than anything else because you're not going to see the Andy Reid, Sean Paytons, Bill Belichick's, uh, Mike Tomlins, and guys like that, you know, leave for a job at USC, you know, knowing that, you know, they're all making over eight nine million dollars a year and they're not going to get that kind of money from usc i mean usc is going to be lucky to pay two or three million you know so i mean uh, they can certainly if they want to dig deeper in their pocket but they're still going to come out for half the price of what you get as an nfl head coach and if you're an nfl head coach with established successes i mean you're not going to go to college with the transfer portal with all the issues right now with sponsorships you know the recruiting issues those those different things. It's too much of a headache. And again, it's like it's easier to sit here in the National Football League, you know, winning and doing the best job you can. Yeah, I I thought that was kind of crazy. That people would even throw out uh, Tomlin on that. So let me let me get this right. I can make less money, pay higher taxes by mm-hmm. going to California. I got to <laughs> deal with young kids who want to make uh, transfer all that stuff. I I just I don't see that. Yeah, happening. you you think about it in college, it's like okay, so I mean, obviously the Steelers are getting criticized for staying with Ben Roethlisberger, right? And again, they should have because that's their only chance of winning this year and we'll see where it goes next year because I think this is his last year and they'll have to find a replacement for him. But it's like, you know, if you're Mike Tomlin and you go to USC and let's say that you you recruit two or three good quarterbacks, two of them are going to leave in a year or two if they're not starting. John, it's that time. What's on your mind, Professor? You know, I've been looking at this, and I don't have the exact number today. I know I had it last week, but kickers. And I know this irritates Dave Wyman because he's not big on kickers. Paul, you're probably not big on kickers either. Mm. You're a little bit more amenable than Dave Wyman is. But I counted up. There's like been about 16 changes in kickers this year, either because of bad performances or injury. Half the league has changed. And I know that Jason Myers has taken the criticisms for his three missed extra uh, his three missed extra field goals, his mixed extra points. But, I mean, you look around the league, and it's not like the percentages are that much worse. But, again, what's happening is there's such a turnover right now with the, with the kicker position. I've never seen anything like this. So what you're saying, John, is all you kids out there listening, learn to kick a football. You might have a job here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like uh, just learn how to kick because if you can do it, I mean, you can get an opportunity. Look at all the people getting opportunities. If you have 16 changes, 16-plus players have now got more chances to get in there and kick. Boom. You heard it first, kids. Kick the ball, John. Or snap it. Or snap it. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right, have a good one. Okay, when we return, we will talk that talk. Is Russell Wilson irreplaceable? How much will Shane Waldron grow this year? And will a 10-win team make the playoffs? Me and Moira will talk about that next on Hawks Live.